Hey everybody, welcome to View from the Top podcast, where we help growth-minded men who desire momentum in their business, their family, and their finances get through the valleys and up the mountain to their very own View from the Top. We're so glad you're listening today. My name is Wally, and I've got Big A getting ready to shift into high gear. I don't know about high gear. Listen, (laughs) I've had a busy two weeks. I've been uh, participating in what we call Surge Week, where I go in every single mastermind and uh, lead the call, hear back from the guys, give them a little bit of a snippet of what's to come. And it's been really fun. Man, I have gotten to learn so much from the guys. I tell them it's like a board of directors meeting. Just come in here, give me feedback, tell me what we need to do, what you want to learn more about. And man, these guys let me have it, Wally. I've got a notepad (laughs) full of ideas and topics. They get to share their wins. Uh, it is such an enjoyable experience to be on every one of these calls with amazing entrepreneurs from around the world. Man, what a delight it's been these past two weeks. It's been That's fun. That's great. That's great. I actually feel a little sad because uh, the mastermind group that we're a part of every week that we belong to together sure, uh, met yesterday. And because you're doing surge call, you weren't on there. And so you did it the week before. The week before... I was on vacation for a day and that's the group that I facilitate and you were in there. And so I missed, I'm in two groups and I missed both. I know. I know. Well, so I'm a hey, little sad. we'll get caught up though. I think what it is, is you're jealous that you weren't on every one of those calls. You would have loved Wally <laughs> to be on these calls hearing from all these men from around the world. I've heard good things to say. I really, oh my gosh, so I think man, that, these guys, I, think, I know rock. you appreciate it. They appreciate it yeah. too. That was fun. Yeah. It was fun. Hey, we're going to talk about uh, partnerships uh, today, but before we do, uh, you had an experience recently with your boat. I did. I, my grandsons were so mad. They could have bit a nail in two. I said, hey, boys, y'all want to go out? I'll pull you on the tube. And they were like, yeah, big A, I've got one grandson that's 16. The other one's 14. They're bigger than I am, Kevin. They're, you know, you've seen them. They're tall. These are big they're, boys. They're I'm about to have scared of them. But. They're shooting up. Anyway, so I get the boat, we hook it up and uh, go to the lake and uh, back my boat up and it won't start. (laughs) And I'm like, what in the world? And I just charged the battery and raised the little compartment up and looked at it. I don't know what I was doing that for. I don't know what I was looking for because I'm not a mechanic. I looked at it. I acted like in front of my grandsons. (laughs) I knew what I was doing. And they're like, what's up, Big A? And I said, man, I don't know. I go out all the time. It's never not started. I mean, it wouldn't turn. It wouldn't do anything. And I'm pretty good with a boat. I mean, I've had a boat my entire mm-hmm. life, you know, so I knew the things to check. Nothing. So anyway, they're so disappointed. We get back home. The next day, I called a buddy of mine. And I said, hey, I got an emergency. He goes, what is it? And I said, my boat won't start. He goes, Big A, that's an emergency. I said, it is for me because I love to be on the water. (laughs) So he said, well, bring it up. So I went up. Listen, let me tell you what. I don't know if I'm happy or sad about this. but So I go up to the mechanic. He goes in and gets his tools, and he comes out, and he wiggles a couple of things, and all of a sudden, it starts. And I'm like, man, what did you do? And he goes, it's the gear shifter. And I said, well, what's the problem? He said, well, hold on. And he takes the gear shift handle off, and there's this cog. Like a little sprocket? Yeah, it's like a sprocket. It's just kind of round. It's got teeth on it. Okay. And he goes, it's one 
tooth off. It's mm. jumped off one tooth, and it disallows it from going into neutral, and you can't start it unless it's in neutral. He turns it like a millimeter, puts it back on, tightens the nut, and it starts like a champ. And I said, how can such a tiny thing disrupt your day to the magnitude that it did me for my grandsons when I was one tooth off? The good part, here's the good part, the best part. He charged me 20 bucks. And he said, if it had been something more serious, it could have been hundreds, if not thousands. And I said, hey, praise the Lord, 20 bucks, here you go. So I gave him 20 bucks and went straight to the lake. So I was in good shape from there. Nice, nice. I had a not the same experience, but we're talking about being just a little bit off. I don't know. Have yeah. you ever rekeyed a lock? Like a lot of times you'll mm-hmm. take it to a sure. locksmith or whatever and they'll never done do that. It. Okay. So I took a I took an old just you know manual bolt uh lock locking bolt off my front door and I was replacing it with a like a smart Wi-Fi system. And I made sure I bought, you know, matching you know, slag or whatever it's called to match the other doorknobs in the house, which means that I can use the same key. I just have to rekey it. I'd never done it before. So I did all this looking online and probably spent an hour watching videos and bought the little kit. I didn't even know what was inside these things. Like I had no idea really how it worked. I just never taken the time. So I'm breaking this thing down and taking this thing apart and ends up being like this little tiny cylinder, probably, uh, you know, about the size of a, of a, medium size or a normal size, uh, uh, Sharpie pen, right? It's not very long, just enough for the key to slide into. And essentially the key slides in and it's got all these little pins in there and they're not very big. They're tiny. I mean, super tiny, these little tiny springs inside that, inside that, uh, that cylinder. And so anyway, I, I went through the process of, of, of getting the, the old cylinder out. They had this little process kit you run through and get it out of there. And I'm looking at all the measuring all the size of the pins. Cause of course the key I have doesn't have like a number, you know, system on it. Cause it's been, a, uh, I don't have the original key to the house. So right, from 2007. So I have to use the little guide they have with my key to measure out what size the pin should be. Well, needless to say, I get all the pins in there think I'm doing great. And when you slide that in, that's that, that key in, uh, even if the pins aren't the right size, the key will still go in. And then, but when you turn that to lock it, to get it into position where the, the, the pins actually come up inside of their little shafts, it, it, you're locked. (laughs) You can't like, I was one size off and it, I couldn't, Mm. I couldn't get, so I had to like go get a different tumbler, not tumbler, but a different cylinder and redo the whole thing. But again, like one little size, like, yeah, from a three to a four, these things are, they're tiny. So I get right. what you're talking about. Yeah, uh, just a little I paid off. more for that than you to get your boat fixed. <laughs> I know. Here's the thing. I got a good locksmith here in Nashville. I'll give you his number nice. next time you want to do that. I don't know. I enjoy <laughs> can, doing it. But talking you know about, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just going to say that it's the irony of how we have most things right, but one little thing can mm-hmm. cause us such a problem. Yeah. And I, we're going to talk about partnerships today. And I think some of the things we're going to talk about in partnerships, um, it's kind of the same way. That we can have a lot of things seemingly right and we get one thing off in a partnership and mm-hmm. whew, 
It, Someone uh, told me one time that a great partnership was great, but a bad partnership is worse than a bad marriage. <laughs> and so he said it's harder to get out of. <laughs> and there could be some truth. You know, one of the reasons we're doing this, a lot of the men in Iron Sharpens Iron Mastermind have either got partnerships or they're starting a partnership and they're really starting to investigate what it looks like. And what we try to do here at View From The Top podcast is to answer some of those questions that a lot of our avatars, members, uh, the people that are in our community are asking for. Hopefully this will be beneficial to everyone that's listening today. I've had a number of partnerships. Wally, I know you've had a partnership as well, and we're going to kind of dive off into it a little bit today. Well, years ago, Dave Ramsey made a comment to me. He said that uh, there's only one ship that won't sail, and that's a partnership. <laughs> what are your thoughts about that? Do you agree or disagree? Ooh, uh, I agree or disagree. I think that's, uh, I'll give you some context here, but I, I, I'll answer your question, then I'll give some context. I think that you can still sell a partnership, <laughs> but there, there's definitely some things that you should, we should be watching out for. Yeah. Um, for sure. Uh, it may not sell that fast, mm. right? It may not be that, that's uh, that good of a partnership. It'll still sell, but it might not be a very good ship. So there's some things though, that, that, uh, I've experienced, uh, personally over the years, I've had a couple of them. Um, I had one really early on. I was really young, in business, just starting off, decided not to go into law enforcement after spending some years in college and decided that, you know, this entrepreneur, leadership, entrepreneur leadership, this entrepreneurship life was something that, that I thought I wanted to try. I could have really called it that then either. I just wanted to go into business. And so me and a buddy decided that, uh, we were going to do this thing where, um, copiers back when they sold copiers, I don't know if they still do or not. I'm assuming they do, but uh, he worked for a copier business and he figured out that as he was selling copiers, no business had any idea what in the world another company, another business was buying a copier for. There wasn't like, there was like a, you know MSRP maybe on them, but they just had no clue. So we started creating this database and creating this system and went out and sold a few of them. But the bottom line is we had lots of charisma, like lots of stuff, you know, hey, we're going to do this. We're going to get all excited. But we had no operating agreement. We had no real plan. And at the end of the day, it didn't go anywhere. Um, Is that because you didn't take the time to put that into place? Or at that time, you didn't know you needed these things? I, didn't know I think I it's important I didn't to know our I listeners. Those things. I had no idea yeah. I needed those things. Yeah, I think it's important to our listeners today. Is, is there certain fundamental practices that you should implement and uh, maybe we can talk through some yeah, of those things will. even today we will uh, about what they should do yeah and then uh in 2004 um i had a business then already i'll explain that in a second here but i'd hired my wife uh, sonia as our bookkeeper and i just be set this i'll set this say this first i love her dearly she's my best friend she's my lover she's she's uh my favorite person in the entire world um but she thought we were in a partnership <laughs> <laughs> and she quit like 30 times and I finally fired her and uh, things have been good ever since. Um, and, but that, that same business there that, that she was a bookkeeper of for a little while uh, didn't start out as a partnership um, due to some reasons. Maybe we'll talk about later, but for another podcast, maybe or later in this podcast, um, 
But uh, again, we had no operating agreement in the beginning. And at the end of the day, though, it turned into, so between 2003 and 2009-ish, uh, it turned into an S corporation. And I ended up having a partner in that business where I was 50.5 and he was 49.5. So we were a half of a, is that right? Uh, yeah, it was like not much of a dip. It wasn't even a 49.51, 1% was like half a percent, whatever it was. So, um, but we had opposite strengths and personalities. And I think that worked in our favor to build the business. Uh, we didn't get in each other's way too much uh, until we did. Uh, right. And there was 18 years difference in our age. And over time, uh, we started to come into some different perspectives and we had different different priorities. Um, one of the questions I wanted to ask you as we start down this road is, does a partnership always have to be 50-50? Because I, I don't think so. I know we think of partnership a lot of times we think of like as equal. Um and I'm not necessarily sure. I considered that to be a partnership, even though it wasn't equal ownership. Um, because I'm actually not, you asked me the question about, does a, is a partnership the only ship that, that doesn't sail? And if it's 50-50, I'm actually not a fan. I think someone needs to have the red button. Um, I've seen very few of them where it's 50-50 and it works. I've seen a few but not very many. I'd say it's 25 to one, um, which is a completely arbitrary odds, but I think you get my point, mm-hmm. right? You know, the, the truth is, I'd say the vast majority of partnerships do start out as 50-50 though. Mm-hmm. Guys get together, they're buddies, and you know, one's got the experience, one's got the money, and they like, well, you can't do it without the experience, and the other guy says, well, you can't do it without the money, and so I guess that makes us equal. I tend to agree with you after I've had a number of partnerships. Uh, I do think it's important that someone holds the red button. And what we mean by that is the person that can make the decision. Uh, You can get into a stalemate. And I'm actually coaching a guy currently uh, that started out early in his business and uh, they didn't have anything, right? Mm -hmm. They they were brand new. This is a 15-year-old business now. But at the onset, they didn't really have anything. Well, as they grew, they had different responsibilities. One side of the business grew a lot faster than the other side. And uh, this guy called me a few weeks ago and we were talking through it. And uh, I said, well, what's going to happen is that you love this guy. Y'all been in the trenches together. You've built the business, uh, but neither one of you have the red button. Uh, You both have different responsibilities and roles. And what's going to happen is because your side is growing outgrowing at a much faster pace than your partner's side of the business is growing, you're going to become bitter and you're going to become uh, uh, a sense of you're carrying the load and he's not. He said, that's already happening. Mm -hmm. He said, I don't want that to happen, but it is happening because he doesn't seem to be doing anything about it. So after a lot of conversation, uh, I said, you're going to have to confront this issue and you've got one of two choices. Uh, You can split the business and each of you go your way. You can just settle on the fact that it's going to be the way it is. And he didn't want to do that. I said, but the more money you make, the greater the divide is going to become. Mm -hmm. And so he finally went to the partner and he said, "Uh, listen, this is not working. We love each other. Uh, We've built this together, but we're going to have to figure out a plan uh, to divide the business. That's exactly what they did. 
And quite honestly, it worked out best for both of them Mm. because the one that was under duress felt a sense of relief because he couldn't pull his weight in comparison to the other partner. The other partner now has got the lion's share of the business and making the decisions. He holds 100% of the stock now, and he's very happy. So quite honestly, we look at it as though it can be you know, challenging for one partner and better for the other. But in this particular case, it was better for both. And so I would really encourage people that are going into a partnership, even if it is 50-50, figure out a plan for someone to hold the red button, right? To make the final decision. So long-winded answer to your question. I just think you got to be mindful. Here's the thing, Wally. I think if we really think through and we really devise the plan and the strategy and go through all the what ifs, if this happens, you know, what is the operating agreement? What is the buyout? Uh, how are we going to operate if these things happen? I even created a document that asked about 25 questions to people to ask themselves if they're going in partners. And happy to give that out if someone would like to contact us. But uh, yeah, partnerships can be great if they're handled properly and you really think through it, but they can be devastating. As you know, you're going through this partnership with no plan, no operating agreement. Uh, you know, you had a lot of charisma, a lot of enthusiasm, but uh, no real plan. It just historically doesn't work out well. Hey, I want to point out something. I know we've got quite a few things to talk about on this topic, so I just encourage everybody to hang in there and listen. There's going to be a lot of nuggets coming. Um, you mentioned something I think is really important that a lot of people don't think about. When you get that charisma and you get that excitement in the beginning, here's the reality. Like a lot of businesses that start up, even as partnerships, don't make it. Like they don't. There's, there's a number of them that just don't make it. And so all that stuff you didn't do in the beginning doesn't seem like a big deal. Like, oh, that would have been a waste of time anyway. But what about the times you do make it? And you made a statement about, uh, I'll give you an example in the last partnership that I was in. So early on, again, uh, had wasn't in mastermind groups or uh, had no uh, had nobody to really bounce this stuff off of other than the people that I knew and they didn't know any more than I did. So uh, you make the best decisions you can with what you know, with what you have. And I, so I did. And I remember in 2012, I think, 2012, we finally, so we started the, the partner that I had, I started the business in 2003. He came in in 2009, whole backstory to that, but he's in there 2009. I couldn't get him to sign operating agreement until 2012 or 2013. And we lived, I lived in Michigan. He lived in Texas. I literally had to fly down there and like take it to his house and be like, hey, sign this. He's like, oh, I'm going to have my attorney look over this again. I'm like, no, you're not. Like, I'm not leaving until you sign this thing. You've looked at it a million times. Wally, if you could go over, let's talk about this because yeah. I think it's important to the listeners. Lesson learned there is is you you don't pull the trigger until all the operating agreements are in place, right? It's it's you wouldn't wait again four years. No, not never, never. Yes. So, anyway, so, so you would signed. encourage the listeners, yeah. right, to to do that out of the gate. Yeah. And so we get it signed, and of course we used you know again we had attorneys, but they were just being paid by the hour, and so they you know yeah it looks good whatever. We lacked counsel, both of us did. So we set a fixed number on the valuation of the company in 2012, 2013 mm. in the operating agreement. Mm. 
that this is what this is what if the fixed valuation is because I had the red button with that extra one percent or half percent, whatever it was, if I forced a buyout, there was a set evaluation on our operating agreement. And fast forward to 2019 when we have a company come along that is going to buy us. And I remember sitting, I remember exactly where I was because we all have this moment of truth. Are we going to live? Are we going to have right. integrity or what? Right. I remember our uh, our uh, advisor that was helping us through the M&A. We'd only been in it like three weeks in the M&A process and uh, in the due diligence process, sorry. And he calls me on a Wednesday night. I was literally like at Bible study with the young adults. Son and I were leading them. And when he called, I was like, why would he be calling me on a Wednesday night? Like something's up. This is early. So I excuse myself, went and took the call. And he says, Hey, I think I know the answer to this, but I got to run this by you. Like, like as your advisor legally, I need to tell you this. He goes, according to your agreement, you could literally force your partner out right now for like 1.3 million. And we were looking at a high seven figure exit. He goes, you have a legal opportunity to do that. And <laughs> there's that little part of you that's human. That's like, you know, our flesh is like, Hmm, yeah, that would be a really good idea. And then, mm. you know, pretty quickly realize, okay, that wasn't the intent of what we signed. Mm. That wasn't the the context around what we were trying to accomplish. Plus you were at church teaching a Bible. Yeah. Study, yeah, right, right? right. If you'd right. been at home, you might've made a different right. decision, yeah, but, but you, you were know, at okay, church. Okay. But here's the thing. Like literally, at that point, I was faced with almost, it was about $2.7 million advantage. Like, that's not insignificant no. at all. And I don't say any of this as like a pride thing. That's not why I'm sharing this. I'm sharing this because I didn't know what I didn't know. And when I we signed that back then, the valuation we put on that at 1.3 million was strictly what we thought it should be based on what we came up with. I'm not even saying it was worth that. It may have been worth way less. It probably was. But that was a big number. 1.3 was a big number in 2012. But when that number becomes six times that number and you don't have those things in place, your, your, your point of the example you shared about the guy that you're coaching, like all of a sudden as, as things the opportunities become bigger. You, you're we're forced to battle with things that we yes. don't need to battle with if we just get out in front of it. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, good rule of thumb is don't put a static number in the evaluation. Yeah, yeah. Right. Come up with a percentage, some multiple times EBITDA or yep, some other evaluation that goes with the agreement long term. You know, here's the thing, Wally. Uh, Partnerships can be amazing, and I've had some great partnerships, and I've had some not so great, Uh, but I will have to say honestly, though, as I was thinking through this podcast as we were preparing, putting together a few notes, even though I've had great partnerships, 50% of my stress has come as a result of having a partner. Hmm. Now, I'm not trying to dissuade anyone from having a partner. I'm just being real and transparent and honest. And let me tell you why. Let me tell you why that's been the case. Because 
what I have found out over the years, this is my 44th year. I can't believe when I look back 44 years being in business. And that's the reason for this podcast is just to share our experiences, share a little bit of our insight, try to help the audience dodge some of the landmines that you and I have walked on, right? And so I'm saying these things as words of caution, not to dissuade you from going in partnership, but to get a handle on it in the front end. There's a reality some of to you, it. There's a reality. Well, yeah, yeah I mean, 100%. it's just life. But some of you are in partnerships right now, and some of these things are going to jar a little bit of your thinking when I mention these things. But things change. And when you first start, uh, oftentimes you have different objectives when you go into business together. And oftentimes those things are not talked about. Some of the different life and business filters that we've developed over the years, if you've had other relationships, Wally, you would do things differently now with your operating agreement, not putting that static value in. Like You're right, you've learned. And so these are the filters that you've learned in life and in business. Uh, One of the big things is not in alignment in core values. And this is something that we've really... uh, taken notice to, and you've been a real asset in this for view from the top and some of the core values that we have. But if you're going into business with someone else that their core values don't align, when it comes time to make a tough decision, such as integrity, you just mentioned it. I'm not saying your partner would or would not have done the same thing. I don't know. Right. I don't know. Right. But the thing is, is you probably should know though. Yeah. Right. Because you would want to have core values that would align. You would hope he would make the same decision, but you're not certain that he would have same, made the same decision. One big one that I didn't realize until about the second or third partnership was how much the spouse impacts the decisions daily in the business. Mm. Because you go home to Sonia, I go home to Robin, and they're a partner. And mm. so they have thoughts that influence that, you know, that has an impact on the way that you think. And so think about the part I remember years ago, Dave talking about when he was first building his business, he said that they would take, you know, executives out to dinner and they would want their wife to come. And I said, Dave, why did you bring their wife? He said, because if she's a nutcase, I need to know now because she's going to be impacting his decision and, or her decision, whatever the case may be. The other thing that's important too is the different needs wants. You know, the the thing is, is that we have different objectives because our age differences. And you said early on that I think 18 years difference in age. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So doesn't make either of you wrong. It's just that they're different. Right. The wants and desires. And as I get older now, there's things to me that are really important today that when I was 40 weren't important to me at all. And so there's certain things that I want today that I didn't want 20 years ago, 30 years ago that I do today. And then finally, I'll just mention the vision. We've got to be in total alignment with the vision because if you're rowing the same boat and you're paddling at different speeds, you're going to spin that canoe around. And we need to be in sync and harmony. We need to be rowing the same, going towards the same objective. And so just a few things for you to think about when you're thinking about going into partners. Yeah, for sure. I'm with you too. Like as we continue going through the podcast today, uh, even though I had a partnership that worked out very well for me at the same time, it was very tumultuous. That's even a word at times. 
um, very much so. And you mentioned mm-hmm. the age difference and the vision difference and some of those things, some of those things we weren't in line with. And it created a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress, uh, especially in the latter latter days of the business when things started to, you know, when life's going better, like the business is going better than it ever has been, but you have more stress than you've ever had. It's like, sure, sure. you're just off. But um, you've got a, you've got a, a partnership story um, with a really good partnership that you've been in, right? Yeah. Yeah, let me tell you how come it was so good, too. Thank you for bringing that up. Uh, I like to talk about this. I went in partners with a guy, and um, he was a little, he he was in in kind of a bad spot at that particular point in his career. And I came along, God just really orchestrated this partnership. And I came in and had a little bit of resources uh, because I'd sold a business and uh, started doing some business with him. And all of a sudden, we had everything worked out. I went to him one day and said, hey, you know, I've been doing these things with the business and working and a little bit of financial, you know, cash infusion into the business. And I said, why don't we form a partnership? And so we did. We, we finally formed a partnership. But uh, this was the catalyst for me that really showed his heart is he came back to me at the end. and He said, the only thing we haven't resolved is your salary. And I said, well, I hadn't really thought anything about it, to be honest with you. And he said, well, no, it's important, and we really need to talk through that. And I said, okay, let me think about it, talk to Robin about it, and I'll pray about it, and I'll come back, and we'll we'll have a discussion. So a couple of days later, I went into the office, and I said, hey, I started thinking about the question, and let me just throw out kind of based on where we're at what I think it should be. And I was a little bit nervous. And I don't know why I was nervous, I guess because it was to my benefit or, you know, I wasn't looking at it through the lens of how this is going to grow the business. This was like about me at this point. It was my salary. And I threw a number out and I said, uh, I I think this is, this would be a good salary. And he said, we can't do that. And I was crushed. Mm -hmm. I was like embarrassed. And I was sitting on the other side of the desk, just, we were in this just informal meeting talking and I didn't know what to say, and he didn't say anything for about three seconds, and I was like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to say? Three seconds of silence for you is like uh, I know. 10 hours. Eternity. It was eternity. <coughs> and he leaned forward, and he said, uh, you're worth much more than that, and we're going to double that amount. That's what you're worth. Hmm. Wally, I was speechless at the time. I didn't know what to say. I was like, what? And he goes, you're worth way more than that. And this is what we're going to pay. Let me tell you what that did for me inside of me. It lit a fire inside of me to outserve him. And we spent the next 10 years. I worked three days a week. He worked the other three days. And man, I would call and do things for him. He would call and do things for me. It was an amazing relationship. And I think it's because he wasn't trying to be greedy or selfish he was looking out for my welfare, my well-being, and he said, no, this this is what you're worth. And it was one of the best partnerships that, I, that I've ever had as a result of that. And so it wasn't good just because of that, but it showed me his heart. And we went into this partnership, and we had just a great experience. So always be serving. My point in telling the story is don't always be looking out for yourself. Always try to be serving your partner 
And it's the same way in your marriage, right? We're not going to get off into marriages today, but man, when we're selfish with our mate, they can detect it. They see it. But when we're serving, we're givers, not a taker. Uh, it just returns 10 X. And so, yeah, going in these partnerships, try to outserve your partner. That's really good. Uh, thanks for sharing that. We're going to jump into uh, some few reasons why any of us would might want to form a partnership. Like there's some valid uh value-based reasons for why we want to start mm-hmm. a partnership. But, but before we do, can we define like exactly what a partnership is? Like h- how do we define what a partnership is? Yeah, well, I think there's probably many definitions uh, for that, but there, there's probably some things that we are doing inside of that. But I think it's just an alignment uh, with, individuals or entities that are focused on the same objective, um, striving to accomplish something that's bigger than they can do alone. So it doesn't, doesn't necessarily completely matter on paper if it's a general partnership or limited partnership or uh, a limited liability partnership or a joint venture or S Corp or LLC, like from the legal side, like you can kind of structure a lot of things on paper that make it function very much like a 50-50 relationship based on responsibility, sure. buyout, options, and all that sure. kind of stuff, right? Sure. Um, so I think that's one of the important today is that when we talk about the things of why a partnership could be beneficial, could, excuse me, could be beneficial, it's not because of how it's necessarily written on paper. And there's probably legal yeah. reasons and there's other reasons, you know, for why we would do certain types of legal entity partnerships. We're not talking about that today. So I'll be very clear about that uh, before we get into this. We're really talking about, I like what you said, um, was that it's about, I think, the context of how we're running the business and how we put people in leadership and the responsibilities that, that we give ourselves uh, when we do that. Um, obviously, things like operating agreements and all that can help us um, structure the legality of things. But um, yeah, that's really good, man. Thank you. I love it. I love it. Um, yeah. What What is for you when you start thinking about being in a partner mm-hmm. with someone, what is one of the first things that comes to your mind is for the reason that you want to be involved with a partner rather than going it solo? Yeah, I'll tell you, and, and you kind of know some of the story, but kind of my thought process behind this because uh, we're... Um, yeah, we spend so much time together. So you just, just kind of know when the way I'm designed is that I'm probably not myself going to go out and start my next business from scratch by myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, not because I'm lazy, not because I don't have the ability or the capability or the funds to do it or the time. I have all that. It's it's literally because I'm a team guy. Mm-hmm. So I also know what God's gifted me with and where my talents are. And I'm definitely on, I can act as a visionary and an integrator, like I can do both. Um, But primarily when it comes to like the customer facing side of the business and sales, uh, account management, I do a lot better. But on the sales front itself, I'm a great sales engineer, which means that when the relationship's established, there's some trust developed, I can be brought in and just sell the crap out of it, right? I can prove how it works. I can show, I can tie the emotion to the... I can do all that. But I know already that I need to partner with someone in a business that has the skills 
that I don't have, nor the ones that I want to do. Because pretty quickly, if I do that, it's just not going to be fun for me. And I don't, I want it to be fun. So for me, it's kind of about like uh, kind of diversified skills and expertise, right? I I really want uh, in a partnership, um, someone who can bring different backgrounds, different skills, but ones that complement who I am and what I'm trying to, what I enjoy, what I want to accomplish as well. I think that you can do that in a partnership should bring together partners with different backgrounds and skills in areas that you are operating in your zone of genius. But you've got to be real careful here that the vision and your values align when you do that. Mm-hmm. You're diversified. It's good in the skills and the talents, right? But just be sure that vision aligns. I think if you manage diversity good, it's amazing, right? I love diversity. I, I want to hear perspectives. You know, somebody said, well, Big A, why do you have different people, different occupations in these mastermind groups? Because that perspective is such a valuable asset. They're diverse and they're, you know, what they're qualified in, in doing. But we don't need someone that thinks just like we do. You and I think differently, right? And we work great together, no. but we complement each other. <laughs> yeah. But we we see things very differently. We do. And we have to work through those things, right? And so that's really, really valuable. But if not properly placed, man, listen, it can split the business fast. If it's handled properly, it can help with more opportunities. But, man, you really need to be sure you're in alignment with the values and the vision again. Yeah. And along with that, when you talked about even alignment on the vision in the beginning, uh, that can change over time. Like the, does. what you set today is not going to be the same in three, five, 10 years. No. And so you have to manage that. I'm, I'm with you on that. I think one of the biggest mistakes people make, and I don't know if we're going to cover this uh, later or not, but I'm going to say it right now because we're talking about different skill sets, different diversities. I don't know how you feel about this, but I'll tell you how I feel about this. I think that there's in a, in a partnership arrangement where you're the partners, whether they're shareholders in an S corp or whether they're, and I don't really care what percentage of ownership they have or they're 50, 50 partners. I think that whatever role they play in the business from a salary perspective, they should be paid the salary that it would be necessary to hire someone else to do that role. That's what I think. And then the profits from the business is really what gets split up based on your, based on your, your, your partnership agreement. So what I see so many business owners do is they say, oh, it's 50-50. So whatever's left, like, uh, you know, uh, uh, we're not going to take an owner's, we're not going to take like a salary kind of a deal. We're just going to kind of split it up. And whatever's left, we're going to split that up. And what you find is you get someone that is a go-getter crushing it. Let's say they're on the sales side and they're just rain making, baby. I mean, this mm-hmm. it's raining money, right? And the let's say the other person is maybe responsible for operations, and they've kind of got their their thing going and they're doing a good job, but they're they're kind of at a much slower pace. Like they're not. You mentioned that earlier about people having different, right? But I think that if if you if you pay according first and foremost the salary according to what the responsibility of the role that person has. 
as the as the partner of the business. It's just the role, pay for that appropriately. And I will say I didn't do that. When when I started and we brought the partnership, we basically paid ourselves the same exact salary. Well, what happened is when I'm like leading the company from a CEO perspective, and we've got somebody on the sales side that's doing a good job, but basically answering phones, and you're getting paid the same uh, from a salary perspective, like that that didn't work out. Did you become were you disgruntled over it? I did after some time. Yeah. yeah, I mean it was it was good, but it was like, you, you know what it was. I'll just be I'll be really transparent about this. You know what the the trigger was for me. Don't beat me up too bad on this, okay? Like, okay. all right, let me ride this out for a second. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, too bad. When we got to the sale of the business, and they treated us as equals, <laughs> and I knew that I had built the business, and he'd done a great job, great guy, done a great job with sales, but the leadership of the company was on my shoulders, and. I did a good job, not perfect, but I did a good job. And the reward at the end was equal. And and the perception of the company buying us put us on an equal, equal playing field. Do you think that there again, you would have structured the deal differently in the beginning? Because you were only a percent difference in ownership. I don't know if the percent in ownership, that may not have affected the way that that company perceived us. Because on paper, it looked that way. But the problem was our salaries were exactly the same. So I couldn't go to them and say, hey, I deserve this salary when we come on board, right, to, to the new company. Because I didn't, I didn't buy and go away. I didn't sell and go away. Like, I stayed on. So did he for a while. And so we took on the same salary at this new, much bigger company, even though our titles were drastically different. And I just... Let me play the devil's advocate here sure. for a second. Let's take the other side, though. If I were in his position, I would come to you and say, hey, you can lead all the company you want, but if I'm not making it rain, if I'm not making these sales, sure. none of it happens. And so he's going to value that much differently than you. Sure. How do we get on the same page in regards to evaluating and valuing the different roles? Yeah, I think it goes back to if, and, and maybe the numbers would have turned out different, but it could have been. So let's just reverse it and say, Let's say we actually got some counsel and did some little bit of work and found out that, okay, for a company our size, for a CEO or a president of a company our size, you know, 5 million a year, 40, 40 team members, what, what's, a, what's a salary range if we had to replace that CEO in the company or that, that person with that responsibility? What would that be? And then adversely, not adversely, but in addition, do the same thing with his role. Right. <clears throat> Maybe it still turned out the same. Maybe it did. Maybe the, the money was the same. Maybe the um, maybe it wasn't. Maybe maybe the CEO position actually was should have got paid less. I don't know. But the point is, I think if I think it's important to pay for the work that's being done, and not just because your your shares of the company are X that you get paid for doing work. I think the ownership is where the profit that comes into the business. Because here's the thing, man. That's why people do key man insurance and all that kind of stuff, right? Like if you've got a, if we're in a business and and we both have roles and we're both owners and something happens to me, you've got to replace me. Well, 
I mean, if I'm taking half of the, you know, whatever the profits are, and we're not really having, it'd be so much better if we knew what that position paid and was paying that correctly, and then allowed the profits of the business to be distributed according to the ownership versus muddying the waters of just like, here's a big pile of money, let's split it up. That's all I'm saying. I would say it happens the latter way rather than the former nine out of 10 times. I'd agree with you. Yeah. You know, let's switch gears for a yeah. second and talk about a couple of the things that people want to go in partnership for. I had a Iron Sharpen Iron Mastermind member called me uh, two weeks ago and he said, uh, hey, I've been really doing good in business. Cash flow has gotten a little weak. I've been struggling with this for about 18 months. Uh, I've got a gentleman that's wanting to invest in my company. He's wanting to mentor me. Uh, he's also going to do a cash infusion he wants a percentage of the business. Uh, I want to know what you think about it. So at length, we talked through that. I was actually on the lake. I hope Robin doesn't hear this interview because <laughs> I'm not supposed to be taking calls out on the lake. But I, I, I love this guy, so I wanted to talk to him. He's been in ISI for about seven or eight years, and I'm like, hey, I'm a, I want to talk to this guy. So, And I said, this may be surprising to you, but I want to encourage you to do it. And I told him that he needed to do this for multiple reasons. And it was like it took an anvil off his chest. Mm. He was like, man, I think he thought I was going to say, no way, you need to grind this out. You need to, but he's been grinding this out for a year and a half, two years. And the business has outgrown his ability. Mm. That's the truth. And so he doesn't have the skills to manage the business to the level that it is now. This mentor does. First question is, how well do you know him? Do your values align? Um, and we talked through at length all of these things. And he sold me on the partnership arrangement with this guy. Again, I went back and said, these are all the things, though, that you need to iron out. What if this happens? What are you going to do in case of this? If you want to sell, he wants to buy. What are you going to do? Just went through that list. You know, what are the terms if he decides he wants out? Uh, you know, what is the length of time that he can buy him out? Uh, so multiple things that he's got to work through in order to get there. But the big benefit from him in going in this was that increased capital. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it, there's no secret that it's easier to get a business up and going. If you're pooling your resources, you've got the ability to have a cash infusion. Uh, this allows you, <coughs> excuse me, this allows you to view other possibilities in a much grander way that you wouldn't have had on your own. You were like, hey, I would love to do that, but I just don't have the resources to be able to get the people in to buy the product. Uh, and then for me, there's always more opportunities if there's a greater pool of resources. You got options at that point. And so that's what it's allowed him to do. I'm real anxious and curious yeah. to see how it pans out over the next year. But this guy's got a history of growing businesses and doing well. I think he's going to do well with it. But really cool. I think the increased capital is one of the reasons that people need to consider going into partners. Yeah, I think right on the heels of that is, you know, uh, risk mitigation, mm. right? Obviously, if if you got increased capital, hopefully that, to your point, that brings in, uh, you know, not just money, but, and I guess different situations require different, different uh, decisions, but... For the most part, if I'm going to bring in money in my business, I'm probably going to want some some knowledge like mentorship to come with that, right? Mm. Um, and so if I get that in my business with increased capital from a partner, 
then the risk of me running the business just probably changed drastically, like you were talking about, by having a mentor that's been there, done that, led at a higher level, uh, has you know experience with with more money, more team members, uh, customers that require you know more or different because you're now uh, attracting customers at a different level than when you attracted them in the beginning and or uh, and whatnot. So yeah, I think it definitely lowers it lowers the risk uh, overall. Let me fire a warning shot here, Wally, just for a second. A lot of guys I hear oftentimes will go, hey, let's go in business. We'll figure it out. And, you know, when we start making money, we'll figure it out. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute, time out. I'm going to tee you up when you say that. Because it's really easy to say we're going to do something until it becomes a reality. And once the money comes rolling in, it's no different than this guy I shared with you, been in partners 15 years the money and the amount of the money is changing his perspective. It's like, well, it wasn't a big deal when we were making $100,000 a year. Now we're making millions of dollars. There's a much huger discrepancy about the amount of work that's being performed, the amount of profit that's being made. This is generational wealth that we're talking about many times that's going to make a big, big difference. And you even questioned $2.6 million in a judgment call. It's like, man, but you get in, you multiply that 10X and it catches your breath. You're like, hey, I've got to talk to this. My point is, is to have all these things in writing. The point is, is if you're going to have a operating agreement, it can cover this risk mitigation as well in how you distribute the profits uh, it, it just helps you to have a clean, you know, the bottom line is, is you got the rules of the game mm. and you know what the rules of the game are. So yeah. Why is it that we want to make all the money, but <laughs> we don't want to take any of the risk. Right. <laughs> it, but here's the thing too, you know, it's like, it really helps me to have somebody that I can bounce things off with. It doesn't feel quite as scary. Right. And so we're distributing some of that risk to a partner, to someone that's going to walk the journey with us. Yeah. There's a lot there that we've talked about today, man. There's a lot of little nuggets. And uh, hopefully you've been taking some notes as you've been listening there. Go back and re-listen today and uh, get some notes on all the things that, uh, you know, reasons why to be in partnership and all the things to be aware of and uh, pay attention to. But Big A, as we close this this episode out, what are like, what's the summary? What's the takeaway? What's the bullet list? Well, thank you, Wally. I enjoyed this uh, today. It was fun. It really made me rethink some things as we were preparing and going through this. But I don't want you to shy away from a partnership. I want you to really think through what it would look like for you. But if you're going to do that, I want you to get your vision in alignment with ever who it is you're talking about going in partners with. I want you to establish a clear job roles and responsibilities for each of the partners as you think through this. Develop really a comprehensive partnership agreement. Say, this is exactly what we're going to do. These are the rules of the game. And then uh, only go into partnership with someone, though, that you have great communication with and, more importantly, that you trust. And if you'll follow that outline, I think you two can have a very, very successful partnership as you go on your journey. Hey, guys, well, that wraps up our episode today on partnerships. So glad, again, that you uh, listened in all the way to the end if you listen to this. So uh, thank you. Hopefully you've learned some things. If you if you want those questions that Big A talked about, uh, kind of a work, a, just a simple worksheet, if you will, on questions you can ask yourself to kind of readiness 
a preparation for partnerships, you can just email us at pod, P-O-D, at viewfromthetop.com. We'll be sure to get that and email uh, that resource back to you. So reach out to us at pod, P-O-D, at viewfromthetop.com, and we'll get that resource back. We'll see you next week.